Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen Janine. We're getting scary. I thought it would get a little bit scary last week, but was misinformed entirely <laughs> as to what primal fear actually may have been. Well, I hope not by me, just by like not by the you. general populace. <laughs> the general populace indeed, but I still very much liked that movie, but we are definitely getting into horror territory with our courtroom movie series on Morgan Hasn't Seen This Week. Janine, yes. Yes. Success. What do we have in store today? We are talking The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And why did you choose this one for well, this because, series? Well, I mean, I like I said, I wanted to pick a variety of courtroom films, different genres. You know, I think when people think of courtroom films, they immediately kind of go to something more dramatic. So I wanted to pick something dramatic, but I also wanted to pick a thriller, a horror, and then end with some lighthearted comedies. So this is uh, veering into the horror aspect. And also just in general, this movie kind of surprised me because this off as a just exorcism movie. I didn't even realize it had anything to do with a court case. Uh, a courtroom movie until I just kind of went on this binge of different courtroom movies and saw that this was on the list and I was like okay courtroom horror that's very surprising so I definitely thought that would be a fun one to check out uh, especially for you who is a huge horror fan so it's unusual it's an unusual movie in both a courtroom movie sense and a exorcism movie sense and I yeah. think that's where it's at its best and at its and strongest, it's, really. And it's based on a true story, so... It is. It's. I think um, it's interesting because we'll, we'll obviously get into all this as we get on with the episode. But it toes a fine line, I think, the exorcism of Emily Rose. If it wasn't based on a true story, if it wasn't a courtroom movie, which I know is, is a strange thing to say, given the fact that it basically just is a courtroom movie with flashbacks of creepy possession horror going on. Yeah. But if it, if it was just a... If it was all built around the possession aspect, if that's what sold the movie, rather than the interesting case at hand then I think, actually, this would be a dreadful movie. Yeah, because, I mean, in, in general, like, when it comes to horror, the, these are kind of my least favorite kind of horror movies. Like, I'm not a big fan of the possession or the exorcism. or Not that I don't like those movies, but, like, when I'm looking for horror, I'm leaning more towards a slasher yeah. or something psychological, but something like, you know, possession and uh, demon kind of things are not like on my number one for horror that I I'm drawn to. So no, I mean, you could say there's, there's psychological horror aspects to this movie. Definitely. Yeah. But I mean, psychological um, but... in terms of like, like a psychological thriller that is more, yes. you know, so yeah, just kind of the general kind of hearing the title of this movie was enough for me and kind of just seeing bits and pieces of a trailer was enough for me to be like, that's not for me. But then in kind of seeing that, 
turn on it, that it was actually more focused on trying a case that deals with the exorcism made it more interesting for me. So, Well, this is entirely another case where I was not promised, let's not say promised a, a different movie than I got, but um, assumed the movie was much different than it actually is. Yeah. Similarly to Primal Fear, last week I assumed that movie was more horror, and I frankly assumed this movie was more just a possession and an exorcism. Yeah. A, a modern The Exorcist, as it were, in terms of structure, and in, ter you know, in, in terms of the actual finale of the movie, what is at stake is the actual trying to repel the demon from Emily Rose. That yes. is what I thought this movie was. I was not aware of this case. Similarly to you, possession movies, exorcism-type movies, aren't necessarily my absolute favourite um, subgenre of horror. There are certainly ones that I do like, not least of which is The Exorcist. You know, as much as I always like to joke and say um, The Omen's better than The Exorcist for mainstream <laughs> 70s religious horror movies. Yes. Because it just is. That is a fact. Um, that is not a joke. The Exorcist is still a very, very good movie. And yeah. is the absolute perfect possession exorcism movie. So I'm putting a lot of what I like about The Exorcist onto the ex onto the demonic scenes in this movie, which I think I, I don't think help my opinion of this movie. I liked this movie. I really did. I thought it was a very, very interesting movie. But those possession scenes felt, while they were well done, while they were certainly creepy, I am in line with you where that is not always my favourite style of horror. Yeah. And it can feel very samey sometimes. It can feel like, oh, one possessed girl is literally the same as the other possessed girl. What's the difference between the two of them? Yeah. Thankfully, the difference in this movie is the fact that it's way more interested and way more interesting for the fact that it's interested in the court case and the, the exploration of the ideas of whether exorcism is valid as opposed to medical help. That is the interesting angle of this movie. That's what I like about this movie. That is why this movie should be watched and should be thought of as a as a great of you know twenty first century horror that I that I think it is, especially at the time it came yeah. out. You know, this is two thousand and five. This is this is a somewhat low point for mainstream horror. Yes, especially you know, when we're getting kind of some weird, kind of generic you know, cookie-cutter, lame kind of horror movies, you know, yeah. in the early, mid-2000s. Mid-2000s, late-2000s is a, is a terrible time for mainstream horror. It's a really, it's a real low point. Um, we're not there anymore, thankfully, you know, 
15 years later, we are, we are far from their mainstream horror is very good and has been for the last eight years or so since the mid-2010s, really. Yeah. But this, it's kind of an anomaly of its time in horror. And I like it for that. I like it for, and maybe this is why I hadn't watched it. Maybe this is me prejudging it. Maybe this is me because everything you end up seeing about this movie is all the Jennifer Carpenter writhing around. Yeah, I prejudged it as well because yeah, that's case. all I saw, and and the fact that it's based on a true story, so there's some reality in it, and. I think the horror elements do feel more grounded in reality or they try to make it feel, give it some sense of realism as opposed to like this kind of uh, elevated uh, Hollywood kind of horror aspect. It felt more like they were going for some realism because it was based on a true story and that you're focusing on this real court case. So having kind of those real elements to ground it, um, I think that made it much more scary because it made the fantastical elements feel more real as well. Well, definitely, definitely. Janine, there is something we have to do before we get into the rest of our discussion on the exorcism of Emily Rose. What's that? We actually have to say a huge thank you to the patrons of It's a Wonderful Podcast. We certainly do. Every week on an episode of the show, on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed, we give all our lovely patrons a big shout-out, a big thank you, because it is the least they all deserve, and it's what everybody gets if you become a patron. If you would like to join the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. Find the tier that's right for you. Just type It's a Wonderful podcast into Patreon as well. You can find it that way whole bunch of fun stuff we have over there. And all these people are wonderful, wonderful people for being a part of that. Thank you to thank you. Marie Zambino. And thank you to Adam Witt. Thank you to Michael Smith. Thank you, Maxwell Haddad. Thank you to Amber Coates. Thank you, Abby Friel. Thank you, Faraz Muthana. Thank you, 90s Comics Box, a.k.a. my big brother, Justin. Thank you to Video Drew. Thank you, Tina Farrow. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fanobi Steve. Thank you, Samia Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you to John Mariano. Thank you, Carla Fies. Thank you to Delisha Butler. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsack. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. Thank you to Eric Garcia. And a thank you to Billy Pollahan. Yes, we certainly hope none of these people get possessed by seemingly <laughs> all of Satan's demons. I wasn't quite sure about what was going on there. I mean, I why not just leave it in the exorcist style of we, we just have to deal with one. We just well, have to deal was... with Pazuzu. And now, Emily... all of a sudden, at the end of this movie, it's like Emily Rose is giving it the big one, all running around all over the place in this barn. Father Tom Wilkinson, as I'm going to refer to him <laughs> as throughout this entire movie, because I forget his name, is doing all these Max von, he's doing his best Max von Sydow impression. 
goodness. It's not working. It's not and working. You didn't like Tom Wilkinson in this movie? I did like... No, I did like Tom Wilkinson in this movie. I'm saying the actual... The exorcism itself no, okay. isn't working. Tom Wilkinson's very good in this movie. Okay. He's very, very good in this movie. Um, it's just his impression of Max von Sydow in, in The Exorcist isn't as... Well, it's well, it's about a well, Max von Sydow is unsuccessful ultimately, really, isn't he? It's Karras who actually does the thing in The Exorcist. Where's my mind going, Janine? I'm on a train of thought about exorcisms. <laughs> yes. But in this movie, you end up with Belial, and I think Pazuzu shows up again, and Lucifer himself shows up, and all the other little demons. are just all in her, in, inside her, and going crazy, yeah. Um, why not just deal with, why, why, why not just deal with one? I know it's, I know it's a real story, isn't it? I know yeah, it's a, so maybe, yeah, story. maybe that was part of what she, you know, was saying was happening to her. Was... Got a good quotable line as well, actually, which I do, I do like. I do like the, um, I am Lucifer, the devil in the flesh. Ooh. I like that. <laughs> I do like that because it's shot really well as well. And, and she kind of steps into the light as she says flesh. Yeah. And it's really, really quite intense. Scott Derrickson's first movie, this actually, oh, isn't yes. it? yes, yes, it is. So, you know, he's a more than competent horror director. Yes. I think it has to and be said. Laura Linney playing pretty much the same character she was playing in Primal Fear. Yes, but on the other side this time, yes. on the defending side. So, yeah, we're dealing with religious elements, so dealing with Laura Linney. Uh, uh, Campbell Scott is, I guess, our Richard Gere type. <laughs> well, he has a moustache in this movie. He does. He? Yes. Campbell Scott. Yes. I appreciated that, but it is set in the 70s, so it, so it does make sense. But in general, I think it's a really interesting case because it basically is uh, Father Moore, Tom Wilkinson, trying to, you know... It, the family calls upon him to do this exorcism and uh, she ultimately dies. So the case revolves around if he was negligent uh, in doing this exorcism, if what he did uh, because of the exorcism was what ultimately killed her. So, yeah, he... I mean, I don't see how it could be negligent because I thought negligent was not doing anything. Negli he is actually doing something. It yeah. might be scientifically in, 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 in the medical people's eyes the completely wrong thing to do. But he is actually doing what he believes. I don't. Yes, I, I, but I, I think really understand the charges. I think the kind of thing that they were saying on the medical aspect of things was he wasn't forcing her to eat. He wasn't. Uh, no. He wasn't forcing her to take her medication, which it kind of uh, uh, they do get a psychologist on the stand who talks about how the drug that they were giving her because they thought she was maybe having seizures and strokes and things. They were putting her on that type of medication. It made her too foggy to even accept the process of the exorcism. So had she not been on that drug, it might have taken but because, you know, her mind was not fully clear to accept what was happening with the exorcism, she couldn't, 
you know, exorcise the demon. So, um, yeah, I think in their minds, he was negligent in the fact that they felt like him just kind of trying to do this exorcism was him just standing by doing nothing when she's malnourished and her body is, you know, falling apart. Um, and him not, you know, taking her to the hospital or forcing her to eat or forcing her to take medications. Um, they, I think that was kind of their idea of negligence. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the entire case is a very interesting religion versus science belief kind of thing rather than rather than anything else yes obviously it's centered around the death of emily rose you get some horrific looking photographs that come out yeah i mean i'm gonna say you, you know props to the makeup department and i think the production design department yeah and even i mean jennifer carpenter she did a really she was she was great. She, she did a great performance in this movie. You really felt like, you know, she was not in control of her body. Yeah. Um, I do like how it's structured as well in that you get the present day um trial and when you get to certain stages in the trial when certain people are explaining certain things about what may or may not have happened, you get the flashbacks and they're extended they're obviously extended flashbacks. Yeah, because yeah. I think there's a scene where they do get Tom Wilkinson on the stand, which it's kind of a whole thing. Like, Laura Linney's bosses do not want her to let him get on the stand, but it's very important to him. Like, the only thing he cares about, he doesn't care if he goes to jail, the only thing he cares about is telling Emily's story, telling the truth about Emily, because in the end, she was given the option, like, she said that she kind of went to this plane of, you know, where she heard the voice uh, telling her, you know, you can come with me, you can leave this life, you can leave this shell of your body and come and be in a good place and, 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 and the pain will go away and all of these things. Or you can go back, you know, to your broken body and deal with this demon inside you. And so she was given the option to just let go and, you know, pass forward. But she chose not to. She chose to stay in her broken body and have this demon you know just tear her apart because she had something bigger that she wanted to prove and um you know be a symbol of so it was very important for father Moore to to explain that to the jury to get that out there and to tell her side of the story and why she wanted to move forward with you know even if she knew an exorcism wasn't going to work, why she wanted to just stick it out. Um, so that's kind of all he cared about. Yeah. Um, and the entire, case. the entire case, the entire trial is, is just this battle of beliefs though. You know, we're not, who wins the trial is almost unimportant because it's what's being said in the trial and what's being brought to light in the trial, the conversations that the trial is starting, that's really the kind of important thing. Yeah. It is the, I believed this was the correct way. Just because you don't doesn't mean I didn't, doesn't mean I didn't care for Emily. Because I think if there's one thing we, we are shown a great deal of is that Tom Wilkinson cared very much about helping 
Emily yeah. in the best way he felt was possible, yeah. which as a priest was exorcism. You know, he, he Campbell Scott's being very aggressive. Yeah, and they, they they specifically chose him to, to try this case because he's somebody who kind of knows religion. Yes. So it was it was kind of interesting to see somebody who, you know, they describe as, you know, going to church and choir practice and is very religious in his life. But for him to try to dispute those things in the courtroom for the sake of this case. Um, and I think he does kind of get called out on those things a little bit by Laura Linney. Yeah, because Laura Linney. Laura she's Linney's someone who doesn't believe at all. No. But she's defending religion in this case yes. almost. And things she sees and experience kind of get her to to see where Father Moore's coming from. And like even in her closing statement, while she doesn't wholeheartedly say, you know, she she's now kind of believing in all of these things, I like kind of the spin she puts on it. Uh kind of similar to a time to kill where you know uh uh, matthew mcconaughey had the great task to kind of put a spin on something he you know seemingly couldn't work his way out of but he had to put some kind of spin on it to see have the jury see it in a different way and so she kind of had a similar thing she had to do um because not everyone's going to be super religious you know the other side's working with facts and so kind of relating her own experience to kind of seeing things that were making her believe a little bit more what was happening. She kind of was able to put that spin on it with the jury and just talk about how, you know, you can't rule out the fact that it's, it could be possible, you know? Yes. And if, She's and if you believe, if you believe that, you know, this could be possible. Like, I can't say for a fact that it is, but you can't say for a fact that it, it isn't, you know? So that was kind of her her idea that she was kind yeah. of throwing out there. This is the this is the wonderful beyond reasonable doubt argument and yeah. the possibility argument, which is absolutely 100% valid and is a very interesting thing to actually think about. Because, you know, we in our own lives may, yes, okay, we we may be incredibly scientifically leaning, we may be religious, we may have certain beliefs about other things, but it does not discredit everybody else's, because what is the truth to you is, is not the truth to somebody else, and the possibility... Of, I mean, in this specific case, um, it's these this medication she was on because, you know, somebody diagnosed her as being epileptic. And that's why all these, you know, she was having all these seizures, apparently. It was nothing to do with a demon at all. Now, I think it's yes, fair to say, even... in, 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 case, in the case of the movie, Janine, in the case of the movie, I don't know about the real life story, but in the case of the movie... This is a demon. This ain't no. This ain't yeah. nothing other than a demon. You know. Yeah, it's it's not. This, a it might be a bit. Then they... Your true story may have been a little bit embellished for this movie, but yeah. this is a demon. We yes, are entirely because, I mean, on Father Mole's side. Yeah, because I mean, even 
when you know Laura Linney points out that even when she was on the medication she was still having these episodes and during the exorcism that you hear on the recorded tape she was on that medication so she's able to kind of really lean into the idea I mean I don't have facts that this and this is true but is it possible is it possible it is a very that was kind of her repetitive rhetoric that she was kind of using um even when she was kind of cross-examining these experts who were putting her on this medication and things like that and they couldn't you know for a certain hundred percent facts say that it wasn't possible that it could be something else happening with her so she was able to kind of just play with that doubt um and the doubt that comes with believing in something bigger than yourself so i thought it was really smart the way she was able to kind of play with that yeah it it was and i mean there was there was there was one that exorcism tape that tom wilkinson brought out did seem like such a weak piece of evidence though because you could just i could write the you know the cross-examination of that tape you know well (laughs) somebody's just making up voices you've just recorded people doing weird impressions well, see, That's now all you, sound like, you sound like Campbell Scott. Exactly. But that was his entire thing. And I'm just thinking, do you know he what? He was like, you know, people have yeah. a certain, like a couple sets of vocal cords. They could, you know, change their voice and do these different things. And yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm sat there thinking, yeah, it's a really bad piece of evidence, this. Yeah. It's, you, 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 you're putting everything, because the movie's from Tom Wilkinson's perspective, really. You're very, very sympathetic towards him. Especially when you, you see you, that, like, he doesn't care what happens to him. It's just important no. for him to get Emily's story out there. That's what I mean. The The care for Emily is shown a lot. The care for the family. I mean, the family are appallingly religious as well. I mean, yeah. that, you know, there's there's religious people in the world who we like. There's also, like, people who are just a little bit too religious and you feel like these people were probably a little bit too religious um so i I don't know what was going on there but clearly they trusted tom wilkinson more than anything else as well because he was their last resort to bring him in to help so surely that counts for something right because that's just a person's belief or a family's belief they even had a doctor there to monitor her vital yeah, the doctor signs. Was useless if he didn't of the care, well, if he didn't care, then like, why would he take that extra measure to have someone there to kind of keep an eye on her vital signs and all of these things? Exactly. Um, but then, kind of spooky things kind of just start happening to people, like the doctor who was going to testify that he was present for these things, he witnessed these things. He was he was already kind of just saying if i do this i don't want my name to be any part of this so tom wilkinson he had had promised him he wasn't going to reveal who he was but then you know he decided to step up and he was going to testify but then you know he's starting to see things tom wilkinson i think when he's on the stand he starts talking about how you know he had this sleepless night where he wake he's awakened and this demon is just appearing to him and he's seen it ever since so you get the sense of this doctor now is kind of seeing the same things as well 
and so he's scared and you know when he's talking you know he didn't show up when he was supposed to testify yes and, he mysteriously disappeared yes so they track him down and he's kind of just freaking out to lord when he was like i can't do this i'm seeing things like you know I, I, you know tell father more i believe him i believe what he sees because i'm seeing it too and then like in this crazy moment he gets hit by a car and killed and <laughs> yeah and so yeah it's very much just kind of creepy things happening and same thing kind of happens to laura linney and the fact that she starts kind of seeing things and um and, and you know sensing things and feeling things and um so she starts kind of seeing that there definitely is something kind of messing with them and preventing her from or trying to prevent her from like you know speaking any kind of truth about this situation so yeah it's look it's 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 all a very very interesting movie i am obviously a fan of religious based horror movies as well yeah and this this is very much that i think what this movie is maybe lacking in comparison to some other is a particularly intense score that i don't think is there yeah really. it's there it wasn't anything memorable and like you know a movie like this you definitely could work like have music elevate have kind of those horrific used... moments because there's lots of moments where we see emily at college freaking out and things you know scaring her like she sees people walking and, and their faces are black and haunting yeah and, you know you, you could have had some great back... cues and, and looming things that could have built that up you think back to those big two religious mainstream horror movies of the 70s. This movie is set in the 70s. There's no reason they couldn't have gone this movie design way with it. You think of The Exorcist and the music in that. It's all, you know, the, the tubular bells. A little bit churchy. Yeah. A little bit kind of well, very, very music. sinister. Organ yeah. music and bell music. You think of The Omen. Again, you get organs, you get bells, you get choirs. Yeah. Use some choir. Use some choir vocals. There's nothing more ominous than a really yeah. deep choir. You know, this yes. could, could have been used brilliantly during the trial of this movie. If you wanted to be goofy with it, you could have got the jury to stand up and start singing choral music themselves. <laughs> If you wanted to turn it into some I'm sort of Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know about <laughs> that. But... It would have um, worked, I think. If you were spoofing yeah. the movie, I think it would work. <laughs> well, I don't um, think it was meant to be a spoof. I, I don't but... think it was meant to be either. I'm just saying if I was spoofing this movie, I would do that. you were spoofing this horror movie? Okay. This is um, Morgan's scary movie. But I think um, it, was, it, was, it was lacking that. It had... A real intensity to it i think it was like i said it was it was very well designed the like the actual production it felt very much like the 70s wherever you went um it's very well acted it's obviously not a massive massive movie i've always really liked the poster 
actually of this movie but again i think that misrepresents what the movie's actually yeah about. again just seeing that poster was just for me like oh, another one of these demonic exorcism movies where somebody gets possessed and they're acting all like you know doing crazy voices and the deep devils inside them and oh my gosh like it you is know, yeah exactly very, what i always assumed you know, this movie was that is yeah. exactly when you first mentioned we're doing the exorcism of emily rose for this courtroom movie series i was like what what are you sure <laughs> it's like yeah it's a courtroom movie is it yeah that's exactly really? how i reacted because i mean you know i was very fascinated with the johnny depp amber heard trial like everyone else except you and <laughs> except me, yes. um the court case had taken like a week off and so that week i was like you know i i really kind of missing that aspect of the case like just i you know more than just kind of who the case was about and what was happening i was getting into kind of the aspects of you know practicing law and like learning kind of those things and you know hearsay and objections and sustains and all these things and all this terminology and kind of the back and forth of it all i was really starting to kind of understand it and get into that side of things and so i felt myself like wanting to watch courtroom movies so that week that the trial was um off i just kind of said okay let's watch some courtroom movies and let's not watch the same ones i always watch let's see if there's any other ones i've never seen before and so i just typed in courtroom movies and this movie came up and i was just like wait this movie's a courtroom movie and i watched it and i was just very kind of surprised that you know not only was it based on a true story but that yeah like the majority of this movie is really kind of focused on the case of this and just how interesting this case was um and you're getting the exorcism horror elements but you're getting them in flashbacks but the focus yeah. is this court case and what's going to happen you know this does this person really care about her and things just being revealed about um about father Moore and his his motives and all of this and laura linney kind of you know seeing her develop a certain amount of faith and and just the kind of bond that she develops you know she's kind of this cold uh lawyer you know she's just determined to make partner she's just doing what she needs to do um but seeing her gradually kind of see things and that make her and like she even says that in kind of in her closing like i don't know if i believe in any of this but i know i believe in father more and yeah. you know seeing that kind of relationship develop between the two of them and this bond in really just wanting to tell this girl's story and, and ultimately hearing about what emily wanted to do um like i had talked about earlier you know she has this opportunity to, to just die and let herself pass on um because she hears this voice telling her but she decides to go back and endure the rest of this painful life that she's going to have because ultimately she wants people to believe in god and believe in a higher power because obviously she she's like okay well if they see my story if they see what i went through they can see that demons exist and if they believe that demons exist then they have to believe that god exists so that was her ultimate goal and so it was very yeah. important for father Moore to get on the stand and and say this and explain this to the jury um which like that was totally against anything you know Laura Linney's bosses wanted her to do. They didn't want him to yes. get on the stand because he, the court the, the... out of the courtroom. <laughs> yes, he because stormed the... out of the courtroom when uh, yes, when Tom she Wilkinson start, she was brought on the stand. Again. Yeah, and she, you know, 
and I think the the church was very kind of had high stakes with him as well, you know, because it's another one of those situations that if, if a member of the church is, you know, on trial, you know, it's going to, you know, not look favorably for the church. So they yeah. kind of have a stake in it and they want things done a certain way. Um, they don't want to be associated with this and that and the other. So that was kind of a big play to not have him on the stand. And she, it was to a point where she was like, oh, no, I, like, I have no plan to put him on the stand. But she kind of started believing him and started having that faith in him and said, screw it. And she let him go up there and say, yeah, I mean, it's not, Emily. Yeah. It, it's not something I really understand, really. I mean, Surely, if I was the church, which I'm obviously not, if I was the church, surely I would want one of my members, i.e. Father Moore, to go on the stand and, and under oath and try and, and explain how these higher powers exist. Yeah. Because surely that's the church's aim. I know the church says its aim is, oh, yes, we're here, community and all this business, right? But you want more people to believe in the higher power, don't you, the church? Yes. So are more people not likely to believe? Or, or, or are you just worried that people will just laugh and think you're an idiot? Yes, or associate the church about. with the with with and their practices with with negligence and ultimately, you know, uh, murder because of neglect. Yeah. Almost. Um, but I think Laura Linney's kind of point was correct. Like she's like, if I put him on the stand, maybe you know, people will see that he actually cared about Emily. And well, yeah, see, I, show, I believe it that. will show him as sympathetic. And you definitely saw that. Um, you did. I, I, I am entirely siding with Laura Linney, which is unusual given last week's movie. Although, in theory, we should have probably sided with Laura Linney last week. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about it, Edward yeah. Norton in primal fear. Crafty. Crafty, yes, Janine. Very, very crafty, sneaky. Sure. Sneaky, sneaky. Uh, is Laura Linney just always playing a hard-nosed career woman? Does she play other she, things? She I'm is, not massively well, watched on Laura Linney movies, to be honest no, with you. Well, I think similarly, there's a movie that, like, it's difficult to watch now. Um, but it was a movie that I enjoyed that had a very interesting twist with Laura Linney playing a, a lawyer who was kind of like, you know, social justice kind of, you know, lawyer for the people, okay. you know, out there protesting and doing things like that. Um, the life of David Gale. Um, the reason why it's difficult to watch is because the star of that movie and the person we're supposed to sympathize with is Kevin Spacey. So, oh, lovely. yes, really. yes, so, <laughs> yes. So, definitely a movie I, I did enjoy for the story and the kind of twist of it, and Laura Linney in it, kind of again playing a lawyer, but not very polished, but more kind of like. So she really does just play lawyers. Yes. <laughs> So, um, yeah, she's kind of on a, on a trend with that uh, in, in her career at a certain point in time. Because I think that movie maybe was like mid to 
mid to 2000s as well um okay <laughs> well look i mean she's good at it she's good yeah. at it do what you're good at laura you know yeah. do what you're good at but no i i view the exorcism of emily rose as a as a pleasant surprise um i was i was always kind of led to believe it was a decent you know 2000s horror movie but then decent 2000s horror movies and say decent 2010s horror movies are levels apart <laughs> from each other yeah. aren't they really yeah um so I, I I suppose I may have gotten around to watching it at some point, but I certainly, like I said, I would have just assumed it was a modern possession movie. Yeah. And there's times when it it is a little bit 2005 in its tendencies. It does like to use kind of uh, some sound design, actually. I was going on about the production design that's very well that's very good and very 70s. But the sound design is very mid-2000s. All the bones creaking in the, you know, the writhing around, the twitching, yeah. the kind of light flickering, little spiders crawling over Not everywhere, eating, eating <laughs> the spiders. I think the opening credits do something that looks ridiculously like a Final Destination movie where it kind of smoke <laughs> fades in yeah. and smoke fades out and every one of them's like, oh, God, it's definitely 2005, yeah. isn't it? Yes. So that kind of, that always, I don't know why it always kind of puts me off. I just go, oh, God, don't, uh, don't be a yeah. time, I know. don't be yes. a time capsule. Please don't be a yes. time capsule. Don't age movie. yourself because, yeah, that like that era of horror was kind of a wasteland of a lot of nonsense. So it wasn't, it's, it, it's all down to trying to be cool. Yeah. Trying to be trying to be scary, trying to scare people. Yeah, like Scream came along, and then everyone was like trying to replicate that cool horror movie for like years to come. After that, we don't <laughs> in any horror genre as well. Yeah, yes, I understand it in other slashes. I know what you did last summer, etc. But not it's, it's not right for possession movies or ghost movies or things like that, is it? That's yeah. a totally different style the of movie. and the eye. And, <laughs> and all the remakes. And all the remakes. Like the Grudge. House of Wax. And <laughs> House on Haunted Hill. And The Haunting. Like, oh. The Haunting remake. <sighs> oh, yes, God, yes. The Haunting remake. That was painful. 13 Ghosts. <laughs> yes. 13 Ghosts yeah, is another one. We're going to do a cool, edgy kind of like crazy guitar rock music. You know what? Both <laughs> versions of 13 Ghosts are just lunatics in their own way. Yeah, it's kind of bonkers. But at least the one from the 60s is aware that it's being stupid. Yeah. The one from 2001 or whenever it's from <laughs> is just is trying to be so punky and edgy and grimy. Yeah, that it's ju it it just ends up being a bit naff, as I like to say. Do you yeah, know what I mean, I mean a bit has naff. a has a scream actor in it, so they really thought they were doing something. <laughs> it know. does. I mean, this move, this you know, this movie's a, a, a far cry away from movies like that, really. But it it does have those 
tiny little hints of um let's try and make it a bit cool yeah but i think like i said having it be based on a a true story definitely grounded in a lot of ways and even kind of the spectacular crazy things like the doctor just you know being afraid and saying talking about how he sees demons right before he gets hit by a car and killed and laura linney like sensing things and seeing things and and having these weird experiences like she just came across she was walking and she found a locket that happened to have her initials yeah on it you know and just weird things like that i mean going back to the omen like if you hear about all of the insane coincidental freak accidents and crazy things that were happening during the filming of that movie the you know special effects guy who who had just done makeup on a decapitation ends up getting in a car accident where his wife gets decapitated right yep. at a at a mile marker that has 66.6 six on it like uh, a pilot of a plane crashing the plane and it killing a wife and kid his killing his wife and kids in a car <laughs> like he's in a yep. plane flying a plane and he crashes a plane because there's an act birds fly and hit the plane and the plane crashes and hits a car with a woman and children killing them and it happens to be his wife and kids that he kills like just you know crew flying to get to the movie sets and things like that on planes and both planes getting struck by lightning like just crazy things like that happening when you're doing a film based around the devil you know so i just you know when those things were happening in the movie and remembering that this was based on a true story was definitely taking me back to hearing all those crazy stories about things happening during the filming of the omen just making me kind of really feel more real about okay i could see this girl seeing these things and and you know laura linney trying this case or the real woman trying this case and having these freak kind of weird things happening to her she's in her home and it's like three o'clock three a.m and that's kind of the hour of you know demons and things and that's when she's seeing things and hearing things and um you know having these these incidents so definitely like you know you talk about the omen and it definitely reminded me of that and made made the horror elements feel more kind of grounded for me you've um, just actually reminded me of something that that i only actually learned through watching this movie which is why i appreciated that i actually verbally spoke out loud to myself i remember watching the movie and going oh okay i've learned something there like you know i just kind of comment on the movie when i'm on my own watching it yeah um but it was the whole 3 a.m thing yeah being the kind of demonic hour as a a little bit of a play on the three and the holy trinity and all that kind of stuff it's just it's the the devil's way of mocking god by let's 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 come out at three o'clock they like threes up there Let's come out yeah. at three o'clock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can imagine them all sat down there wearing red capes and horns going. <laughs> Doing the yeah. Mr. Burns thing with the hand. <laughs> you know, oh yes. let's, do it, let's do it at three. <laughs> <laughs> Evil yeah. laughs from all the demons. Oh my gosh. Um, I joke about the demons because to think too hard about demons would terrify you so i joke about them instead um but yeah so i appreciated that about this movie as well but you are also 
you know, it is interesting to think about those little coincidences that can happen when uh, when you're kind of devil playing, is at play. Playing, yeah, when you're dealing with trying to, uh, you know, shame the devil or make him yeah. look look bad or whatever. I still um, think kind of meddling in that. Not only is the omen great as a behind the scenes story of weirdness going on but it's also in the actual story just the perfect way of doing coincidence kills like you know david warner's decapitation and him having the along the photograph and him having the kind of yeah line across the photograph patrick troughton getting that big church spire through him yes it's just it's so perfect. It's so yeah. it, it's a perfect horror movie. The Omen. It it really is. It's great. I can't. And so I yeah, I was kind anymore. of. I was kind of just yeah, like you know, you kind of just think about it a little bit when you're thinking about movies with, you know, the devil and demonic possession and and like you know demons just kind of, you know, at play. Um, I I don't know. I was thinking about the Omen more than I was thinking about the Exorcist when watching this movie, just because of. Um, you know. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I had, I, I did have quite a lot of The Exorcist in, and I just missed the, I almost missed the subtlety of The Exorcist sometimes. Yeah, because I think in I mean the possession scenes or or something. I know, I know, I'm comparing this movie <laughs> to one of the most renowned of all horror movies, not just possession horror movies, but all horror movies in history. I know I'm comparing. The Exorcism of Emily Rose to The Exorcist, but you do miss the interesting, the really interesting filmmaking things going on in The Exorcist. The little flashes of Pazuzu you get, the one frame flashes. Yeah, where are they? You know, just just put something like that in this movie rather than having a little bit of, little bit of an intense camera, some sort of grungy soundtrack. And eating spiders. Yes, okay, we like eating. Uh, the, the eating spiders aspect I'm into. I like that. That's fun. It's not fun, but it's fun for the movie. I like that. I like the or creeping. Even like the scene, I like the turning like, around and screaming. Yes, I'm but even it. like um, when we do a flashback, they're talking to like a guy who was she was seeing at college. Yes. And, you know, she was. that's when she was starting to kind of freak out and have the possessions and things like that and so she said that they were laying in bed and she she was uh, he was just holding her and then he wakes he fell asleep he wakes up and she's not next to him anymore he's looking around he just sees her all contorted on the ground just like staring at him like she it's like her eyes looking and asking him for help and just being completely out of control of her body and her body's just very oddly and and you know eerily you know contorted uh, so, like, stuff like that, I think, was very well played and, and very kind of creepy and scary. It was. Also, another thing that I did miss, actually, about the actual, say, Emily's bedroom, where she, you know, where people go in and, oh, let's not go in Emily's bedroom. It's all craziness going on in Emily's bedroom. And one thing I've always loved about The Exorcist is that it's ice cold. As a movie... You feel cold watching it. Yeah. 
because all the scenes in the bedroom are freezing cold yeah. and everybody's breaths going in everything's a little bit blue tinted everything is so cold there's no interesting color or things going on like that you don't actually feel like if there wasn't a few scratches on the wall what difference would emily's bedroom have to the rest of the house yeah you know i want to feel like i'm going through a portal a demonic portal yes, you feel that in a movie like yes this. and you and it, you don't feel it just in emily you feel it all around the space exactly yeah, and in, in this for being you know for emily being possessed by seemingly everybody from hell <laughs> you know not just one but everybody yeah you'd think there'd be a bit more atmosphere created by them that were that wasn't just coming from her because jennifer carpenter and her performance is carrying the entire believability of this possession yeah and she should because she's great in it but there's little else to signify the intensity of the possession other than specifically her like i yeah. want base i want a dark cloud hanging over the house and that kind of stuff you know what i mean yeah. i want real otherworldly things going on you know you walk into the house even and kind of some like sadness just hits you you don't yeah you don't get that in those flashbacks no, I get that. Um, yeah, I mean, even when the exorcism is happening, like her family's in another room and you see, you hear kind of the screams and hear her reacting to, you yeah. know, the exorcism and her family's in another room and you see a cross on the wall and the cross just flips upside down. Like I would have loved That's more, like. more yes. things like that that are just like her, this demon inside her is affecting not just her, like you said, like affecting the whole space. I think that would have made things a little bit more effective so and, and added up the kind of the fear factor yeah, of, of what they were trying to convey as well. It's easy things to do like that. And so I appreciated that that was put in there. Um, but the upside down cross is so easy, but yeah. it's so effective. You could use it anywhere. Oh no, a, a little bit of a bang has knocked our crucifix upside down. Ooh, yeah. And I'm just sat there watching the movie with a big smile on my face going, yeah, 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 upside down crucifix, perfect. <laughs> Little tropey things that work. Yeah little tropey things that actually work as as opposed to tropey things that have never worked so stop using them <laughs> smoke fading credits yeah get out <laughs> i don't want smoke fading <laughs> credits i want stark block credits yes smoke fading in credits but it's so cool <laughs> it's not cool you've just got a new editing software that's what's happened <laughs> You're doing everything digital now. Yes, Ooh, very final digital. destination. Yeah. Very <laughs> final destination. But I did like this movie, Janine. Um, more so in its courtroom than its possession, really. Yeah. But I did appreciate some of the scariness of its possession, some of the, the creepiness. Jennifer Capita's performance in particular is great. Yeah. Um, it was just 
in terms of a possession movie, I just wish the possession scenes would have been a little more interesting, had a little bit more to them. But then again, it is a debut theatrical movie for Scott Derrickson. It's not going to be perfect, is it? Yes, and I'm sure he was probably avoiding like the plague, trying to feel like he was doing a copy of the yes, hundred percent. He, you know, and and he also had this, 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 uh, probably this need and desire to ground it. You know, yeah, having it based on a true story. He he wanted it to feel like plausibly real. He's more interested in the trial. He's more interested in the trial and the conversation aspect of it, and it shows. And you know, he's a he's a great director who's made great horror movies since then, and great movies in general since then, really. Um, so I I don't. There's no problem there. Um, it's just when it comes to when it comes to horror, I always feel I can be a little bit more not critical, but I can get a little bit deeper into why certain things work for me and certain things don't work for me because it's me and Mm -hmm. I am am studied on that more than most other things that I am studied on, you know? Yes. So it kind of makes sense to me. But Janine, if you have nothing else you would like to say, about the exorcism of Emily Rose from 2005. Or do you have anything else to say? No, well. I think I've said it all. Well, I think there we go for this episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen. Janine, we are closing out our courtroom movie series next week with what? Well, you know, we've had some tough films, <laughs> some really, uh, you know, hard. Well, you know, we've had one tough film. Time well, to Kill was 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 hard and real and nasty. Primal Fear was obviously fictional. Yes, but it was also kind of gory and nasty. It and was nasty. Brutal. Yes. <laughs> this movie was real. <laughs> was real okay it's based on a true also story pretty okay. brutal i mean you talk about those pictures they show of emily after oh this. yeah they are nasty you actually. know they are so horrible. we're gonna get very lighthearted, and i think i'm most excited for these we are doing a double feature of some courtroom comedies some biggies that morgan has not seen How'd you have fun in the courtroom, Janine? It's a courtroom. They're supposed you'll, to be boring oh, you'll find places. Out. You'll find out because we are doing a double feature as we discuss Morgan's first time watch of My Cousin Vinny and Legally Blonde. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Pesci screaming those. his head off in a courtroom making everybody laugh, apparently. Ralph and Macchio. Ralph Macchio's in My Cousin yes. Vinny's. I didn't know yes. that. That's that's fun. Herman Monster. Ralph... Herman Monster. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Is he actually in the makeup as well? I'm... I'd like to think he is. <laughs> He's the judge. He's the judge in that movie. Joe Pesci, Ralph Macchio, and Herman Monster in <laughs> My Cousin Vinny, nineteen ninety two, <laughs> or whatever it's from. I think it's ninety two actually. Marissa um, Tomei. Oscar winning for this movie. And yeah, nobody could believe. <laughs> Legally Blonde. 
Legally Blonde. Yes. Reese without a spoon. Um, <laughs> in a courtroom, dressed nice. And yeah. showing everybody that just because I'm pretty does not mean I can't practice law too. I don't have yes. to look like um, who's an ugly person we've seen in these movies, Janine. Who's a lawyer. Yeah. I don't know. Kevin's facing time to kill. Yes, I don't have to look like that. <laughs> we can say I don't have to look ugly and horrible. I don't have to also be a horrible person. I can look like Reese without a spoon. <laughs> You're gonna call her that the whole yes. time. Oh God, Lord help! That's what I do. That's what I Father call more help. <laughs> Father more oh, help. Exercise these cheesy demons, Morgan. <laughs> Herman Monster and Reese Without a Spoon will be on the show next week. Yes. Oh, I'm looking forward to those, though. I'm looking forward to those. So it's nice when we finish the series with the double feature. We did that last uh, last month yes. as well with uh, the Shakespeare, with the Romeo and Juliet's. Yes. So it's it's very nice. It's yeah, nice. I couldn't. I've I couldn't choose one. Myself. I couldn't choose one, and these were two pretty big ones. People love these movies, and they're really fun. They do. So they do. Yeah. This is what I mean. The courtroom genre has been one I have been relatively unwatched on. On in, newer in, ones. On on. Well, you say newer, the thirty years old, really, but. Yes, but I mean, in comparison to black and white courtroom. In comparison to the courtroom movies that I have actually watched, yes, yes. from the fifties right. and the sixties and the forties. <laughs> you are entirely correct, yes. Janine. I think there we go, though, for this week's episode of Morgan hasn't seen talking the exorcism of Emily Rose from two thousand and five. Janine, it's not the only show we have on this podcast feed, though, is it? It is not. We have our brand new Monday show, Monday Madness with Morgan and Machine. Is it brand new anymore, though? I mean, it's, I still think it's new. It's still under 10 episodes, but yes, is it so brand I, new? Under 10 is still pretty brand new. Like, okay. Yes. I'm just excited because it's new. No, I'm it's very different. excited as well. I always get I mean, excited for your monster yeah. truck voice. <laughs> I can't help it. I mean, the title just just deems to be said in that way. Um, but yes. One of my friends having... at work actually referred to it as Madness Monday what? this week. And um, I, I had to Well, that's like people, that people in my life call the show Morgan hasn't seen it. So they always add an it in there. I'm like, there's no it. It's just there's Morgan no it. <laughs> no, but no everyone, oh, Morgan hasn't seen it. Like. No. <laughs> That's, that would that that would be a terrible title for this show. No. And I actually hasn't and I, seen, which maybe I just need to add some ellipses dots to the. To maybe, the, to maybe. The <laughs> but do you know why that would be a terrible title for the show? Is look at look at the way we title the episodes. Morgan hasn't seen courtroom movies. Yeah. Morgan hasn't seen it courtroom movies doesn't make grammatical sense. Yeah. So uh, no it people. And no it. Yes. No madness Monday. Monday madness. Monday madness with <laughs> yes. Morgan and the machine. 
Yes, and it's our first show on the YouTubes where you can actually see our faces, but it's also on the podcast feed. You know, we just talk about, you know, what's going on with us, what we find interesting in the world of entertainment news and trailers and, you know, just fun things. We have a fun middle topic that we kind of hone in on and then we play a fun game. So we just have a blast just chilling out on that show every Monday. So check that out on the YouTube channel, the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel or on our lovely It's a Wonderful Podcast podcast feed and of course every friday we have the main show it's a wonderful podcast where we give love to those old courtroom movies that morgan likes um yes at the minute, and yes. other great classic films so yes we are also talking courtroom movies over there as well because there are some great classic ones that we maybe have are not too familiar with so just wanted to keep the courtroom fun going in all aspects of our feed so check that out every friday morgan is the constant host over there and i switch off co-hosting duties every other week with our other great co-host nolan dean there we go monday wednesday friday we have you covered on the it's a wonderful podcast feed as janine said on the youtube channel for monday madness in full video glory as well as the watch-alongs, the live discussions, the other videos we have there as well. Go and subscribe, ding your notification bells over on YouTube, and uh, subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts too. Uh, we've already spoken about the Patreon before. There is also a donation link in the description if you would like to donate just anything in that way. It would be most generous of you, and we would love you forever we do not expect any such things. It is just there if you would like to. You can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at the Purple Don with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at just the Purple Don. All your possession based things are where. <laughs> You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find that at our new Teespring shop, Teespring. Uh, it's a wonderful podcast on teespring.com. So check it out. Uh, just added some fun Stranger Things designs on there. So you can get those along with all our great logos for all of our shows. Uh, so check it out. And if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, uh, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.com cartel.com right janine i either want you to do an impression of a church leader and this can be a vicar a reverend a minister a pastor or whatever i've never really understood the difference between all those words you know i've never understood the difference between priest vicar reverend pastor minister are they all denominations? Are they all specific oh, denominations? I What's don't know. I do not know. I need someone to teach me that. There's one part I've just, I'm, I'm not really overly sure on. I think priest is Catholic. Yeah. And although I don't think a Protestant person is ever called a priest. But I think a vicar is just what a British priest. <laughs> Do you not have vicars in, in the US? No, I think it's no. not just what you call a priest, a vicar. No, no because we don't I, call I, them. I, we don't I've call known, them that here. I've known vicars that are not Catholic. I don't know. Okay. This could offend people. Um, <laughs> either do an impression of a church leader or the devil. Oh, probably the devil. <laughs> 
makes more sense. Devil. I don't know what the devil sounds like. How do you... Yes, you do. The devil sounds like a... You, you... We'll hear what the devil sounds like. <laughs> Three. Two. Incredibly demonic. Bye. Bye. I would have been really surprised if you'd have done the devil impression like three, two, one. <laughs>